Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast series. We exist to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Now let's join Pastor Alan Kiesbo for this week's teaching. Well, happy Mother's Day to you. (laughs) I have been blessed to have a strong line of women, mother and grandmothers in my life. Uh, My mother did many things. She was a salesperson uh, who could sell just about anything to just about anyone. Uh, She was a a housekeeper for people. She uh, cleaned homes. She was a county treasurer. And the common connecting thing for my mother was her relationship skills. Uh, She could be friends with everyone. And as we think about the art of neighboring, uh, I learned so much by by watching my mother. I'd just be a good neighbor, be a good friend, and be able to connect with anyone. Uh, Before we get into that sermon that will wrap up that series, just wanted to let you know that starting next Sunday with our live stream in our drive-in church, uh, we're going to be doing doing a three-week series that kind of wraps up and summarizes the last years that the point is to serve. If you remember, June 1st, Joe will take the position of lead pastor. I will transition uh, to part-time for a year and be on staff and a supportive person. Uh, so I will continue to preach from time to time, but Joe will become the primary preacher. And so I wanted to take the next three weeks to kind of just wrap up uh, kind of the big themes that I think God has been working on at the point. As you think about the art of neighboring and the ability to connect with those around us, uh, those who are not only uh, in our neighborhood, but just everybody we bump into, I would suggest that we're going to be talking about a theme that doesn't relate just to our neighbors, but really kind of works into what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a part of a church, as well as a part of a neighborhood. And I think a great illustration is uh, to kind of set the stage is breathing. We think of breathing as primarily breathing in. But breathing really is two things, breathing in and breathing out. I'm going to demonstrate this. What I'd like you to do is join me here, wherever you are, by taking a deep breath. Ready? And hold it. Hold it till I say so. Ready? Breathe in big, deep. Okay, hold that. Keep, keep it. Keep it just a minute. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, this really isn't a good time to hold your breath. Hold it. Um, your your cat's in a tree, and your cat's asking for me. How how do how? Okay, hold your breath. Uh, what type? How can a cat ask for me? I'm not sure how that works. Okay, I will call you in an hour. Would that be okay? I'll get back to you. I promise you. Um, okay, very good. We'll we'll talk in an hour. Okay, bye. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you still have your breath? You 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 couldn't breathe. Oh. Tracy's still <laughs> ready to explode. Your body screams if you've taken a big breath to let it out. And I think that's a powerful metaphor of relationships. And it isn't just the sense of breathing into people's lives, but also being able to have your life breathed into as well. This week we had a great experience at Garfield, as Denise shared the announcements. A great relationship of gathering people from Garfield to support their staff from Trinity Baptist and ourselves who, from the point who came to say to teachers, you, you've done well, even in the frustration of online teaching, to, to just encourage these teachers. And I tell you, there were uh, lots of tears as it just 
ended in a frustrating way for the teachers. Uh, they just missed their students. They missed one another. And to be there for that moment was a powerful time of celebrating the year that Garfield has had. But part of the experience, I need to go back a couple years when I first met with the principal and said, we would like to invest at Garfield. We would like to serve you. We would like uh, to be people who you can count on who will help you. And we had a great talk, and, and, and I shared some things that we'd done in other schools and how that might be helpful to them. And, and she listened intently and, and interacted with me. Uh, and then she surprised me with the question, how can we serve you? Well, I wanted to say, listen here, Mrs. Principal, we're the ones who do the serving around here. Uh, but as she asked that question, I was, I was stunned uh, because she was looking not for just people to invest in Hayward, but people who Hayward could invest in their lives. And while we serve in one way, providing meals and encouragement to teachers and staff, and they are interested in serving us. And I even know, as I've gotten to know some of the teachers and staff there, that prayers go both ways. Uh, last spring, when I went to mentor there, they had made a piece of artwork for us. And it's this. Uh, and the idea... Oh, I'm sorry. Got it backwards. <laughs> okay, let's do this again. It's, it's this. There you go. <laughs> And what they want to communicate is Garfield by themselves and the point by themselves are incomplete. But when we come together, uh, we have a whole heart. And that relationship uh, at Garfield is such a powerful illustration of a reciprocal relationship. That's what social scientists call a, a relationship that is built by give and take. Uh, we know reciprocity, if you have a student who's gone to another state and that state has reciprocity, the idea is that we, for the sake of something better, we share, give and take, that students can go to another sc school in another state to pursue their best. That it would ultimately help the student, it would ultimately help the state, but there's this idea of reciprocity that something good happens that ultimately affects society as students get the education they are seeking. This morning, I want us to think about what is a reciprocal relationship for us in our circle of relationships, in our church, ultimately with Jesus, and how do we apply it to our neighborhood? Leo Tolstoy in the book War and Peace said this, we love people not so much for the good they've done us, but for the good we have done them. We've kind of tried to live that out, that we are interested in investing in helping and serving other people, but maybe that's only half the story. We may feel we love people around us that we've served, but in a relationship, how do we allow them to love us? How do they allow the other half of the relationship to get footing and strength so that together we learn to love each other by this back-and-forth experience? Reciprocity is defined as a practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. We believe that serving is a way that we are transformed. But what about inviting people to serve us? We receive greatly from Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. But how do we, in a sense, bring reciprocity 
to our relationship with God. When Jesus started his ministry, he called people to, to leave it all and in a sense give their lives to him. And then Jesus in turn invested in those people who came. But the story of reciprocity that I enjoy the most is a story of boldness, of courage, and of sacrifice. The story is found in Matthew 26, 6 through 13. It is a story that is repeated in Mark 14, 3 and John 12, 1. And it's a story of somebody serving Jesus. Follow along as I share this. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money could have been given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I, will, I tell you the truth. Whoever, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Here we have a Savior who's come to give his life for all of humanity. And into this story pops this woman who said, how can I serve this Savior? While living in community, we find spiritual formation is deepened by the sense of reciprocity. The woman comes. John, in his account, gives this woman a name. It's Mary, the sister of Martha. The woman who, when the meal was being prepared earlier in the story, uh, Martha comes storming out and saying, why isn't Mary helping in the kitchen? And Jesus says she's sitting, being taught, and this is the important thing. So Mary certainly had this experience with Jesus where she came and, and, and opened her heart to Jesus and Jesus poured into Mary's life. And now as this woman has another chance, when Jesus comes returns to Bethany, she says to herself, how can I give back to Jesus? Over the years of ministry, I've heard this phrase often. I want to go deeper in my faith. That phrase has caused me not just a little of irritation. And I think it comes from this idea that 20th century Christianity has made Christianity a learning experience versus a doing thing. There is an idea that some have called the big jug, little mug. That people who want to be pastors go to the big jug store where the big jug pours into them until they become big jugs. And then they go out to the church and then they find little mugs to pour everything they've learned into. And then if it's really good then those little jugs become, little mugs become a big jug and they find others. And some call that discipleship of we just keep pouring the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the knowledge of the Bible into these people thinking that if we fill these little mugs enough, we will have gone deeper. A little bit like Tesla and plugging into your car into a plug-in. That if you're plugged in long enough, you'll be charged and ready to go. In the story of the gospel, we see Jesus asking people for things, asking for people for response, 
asking people for obedience, we also see people be responsive. When Jesus gathers his disciples and asks them to leave, he also, towards the end of his ministry, sends them out in twos, going into towns and villages and, and even living with people who will host them, that relationships would build so that the mission of the kingdom of God would be developed. It happens in the spirit of reciprocity. So as you think about church involvement, what is the church responsible for? What are you responsible as a follower of Jesus? And how do we live in balance so that by going deeper, you find the balance in the church doing what it should do, but also you doing what you should be doing? We've heard a lot in the last many years about the nuns, and I certainly don't know necessarily who those people are, but I wonder if their model of church was saying, I'm a little mug. Your job is to fill me up, and when I'm full, then I'll be deeper in my faith when in fact they were invited into a reciprocal relationship with the church where they learn, they're given opportunities, but then they respond by doing the work and the mission of the Christ. Spiritual formation, I believe, is when faith becomes a reciprocal thing. Again, when I think of my mother, her faith was certainly one of knowledge. She was hungry to know about God in her life. She became a follower of Jesus later on in her life. But she was also a doer. Somebody who when she saw people suffering, God in her called her to respond, to act. She was a wonderful woman of mercy. And this morning as we think about what does it mean to be growing in our faith with Jesus? I think it's an invitation to be reciprocal in the church, but also to be reciprocal in our relationship with one another. Uh, these days are hard with the coronavirus. But we've seen great things happen through Zoom and life serve groups where people come and they, they learn, but they share. They receive and they give. They breathe in and they breathe out. And in that reciprocity, I think we have a chance to understand how we are formed in the likeness of Christ by not just being a little mug who's filled, but being a person who owns this relationship and is engaged in the breathing of faith. I breathe in, receiving what God wants to teach me through the church, through the Spirit, certainly, through one another. I don't just hold my breath till the next time. I exhale it to those people around me. And in that process, we are changed. When living in community, we also find meaning in our walk of faith through reciprocity. I wish in so many stories there was the after story. And this is one of those. I wish that Matthew or Luke or John would come back to Mary and say, oh, tell us how you reflect on that experience after you did it. For I think we would see somebody who was changed through the sense of, and she knew what she was supposed to do. There were marching orders when she, having received from Jesus the teaching for which she was scolded by her sister, comes to Jesus again this time to give back something to Jesus. It was something I think that she'd talk about for years to come. Whenever she went to that place where that expensive jar of perfume was stored and, and it was no longer there, she would say to herself, what a great choice I made. 
What a, what a difference that Jesus spoke. And now I understand because now on the other side of the resurrection, he would see that her gift prepared him in a sense for what he would suffer. That in the world of big jugs, certainly Jesus would qualify. And yet, in this reciprocal act of kindness, when Mary comes to Jesus and said, let me serve you, there's transformation. I just have a strong feeling that Mary would have thought and talked about this the rest of her life. That what she did in response to Jesus' love and Jesus' teaching and everything Jesus poured into her, that when she poured something out for him, she was changed. As we conclude this sense of the art of neighboring, I would encourage you to understand that if you've experienced Jesus in any way, that isn't the summary and the finality of the job, but rather it's what you do. And we see in the early church a tremendous record of people being filled by being in this new community, that they would share meals together, that they would share their resources with each other. They would be strengthened and admonished and challenged, but, but they would be growing in a sense of what it means to be the community of Christ. And then they would do the other part. They would go to their neighbors. They would care for the sick. They would be people who would go where others wouldn't go so that they might serve and respond to all that they learned. The reciprocation part were their marching orders. Having received something from Christ, they acted. So this morning, I want to include with some application. Three things that I really encourage you to consider. It could affect how you relate to the church. Could it reflect to how you relate to the body of Christ as we meet together? And someday, someday, we will meet again and we'll be able to celebrate what it means to be the body of Christ together. But it certainly is applicable to those of us who want to and are asking the questions, how do we be a good neighbor? How do we live out what Jesus said that all of the law is summarized by this, love God with everything you are and equally important, love others as yourself. Love your neighbor. How do we do this? Well, three things that I would encourage you. Uh, this comes from social psychi uh, psychiatry of social sciences. A sense of they give the image of an onion. And we need to build relationships by, in a sense, engaging, going through the different layers of the onion. This will be helpful for us just in a sense of how do we develop and deepen our relationships? I think in Mother's Day, sometimes we as children do not engage in interacting with our mothers in a way that we deepen our relationships. So maybe there's an assignment for you today to start this process with your mother. Application number one. Be interested instead of being interesting. Sometimes we feel in social settings we need to sell ourselves. We need to have something, some pearl of knowledge that we can share that would merit that our belonging to this group. Let me suggest that people are more, are more concerned about whether you are interested in them than whether you are interesting. In our relationships, we need to learn the art of being of just being there, not trying to impress, not trying to sell yourself, but just being present with those around. 
in the day on the farm, we had front porches where, where it was just simply a place of being. They faced the street, <laughs> and you could see who had a new tractor or new plow or whatever, and you could get to know each other just by being on your porch. Now, in our house, at least, we have our deck on the back, which is our place. We need to find new places where we can be together. And again, in these days of COVID-19, that's challenging, but we have resources to help you and to encourage you to say, how can I just be with my neighbors even in these days? Number two, let me encourage you to engage in conversation that helps us get to know others and helps them get to know us. In this onion, there are several rings. We first start by understanding the biographical, biographical information. If we don't know our neighbor's name, it's going to be hard to know who they are as a person. So find their names out. Write it on a map on the material that the LifeServe groups have used. There's a, a, a picture of a neighborhood with your house in the middle. Write that biographical information. The second layer of the onion is to understand their preferences. What do they like? What, what defines how they would spend their time? The third level of the onion is goal aspirations. Getting closer to the inner core is their deeply held belief and convictions. We don't do that overnight. We don't do that in one visit. Let me encourage you, we need to be artists at this. And if you're just, if you are not naturally good at this, this is what I'd have you think about. Are there three questions you can ask? Are there three things you can share? The further we get into digital relationships, the more challenging it will be to be incarnational as Jesus was. More and more people do not know how to ask good questions. They don't know how to engage you. So if you're talking to a neighbor and they <laughs> won't ask you any questions, you may need to have three things in your mind that this is something that's important about me that I want to share with my neighbor. Ask three th questions. Be ready to share three things. Start investing in those relationships. Strategizing, working at it. Relationships don't come naturally. We have to be engineering, uh, relationship engineers. The third thing, and the LifeServe groups will talk more about this, by, but inviting those around us to help you. I mean, for me, it's so much easier to help a neighbor than to be helped. Uh, last winter, last fall, or October, November, whenever it was, I was on the roof putting up lights. <laughs> my gray hair must have scared my neighbor because he came over and said, can I help you with that? And of course, my answer was, no, 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 I'm fine. Because see, that's how I'm naturally wired. It would have been a great neighboring relationship to do that project together, to talk to him and share about life together as we did that. So I'm ready. If he offers this winter, I'm going to take him up on it, and we're going to talk as we do it. The body of Christ, the mission of Christ, has always been referred to as relational. The idea of the incarnation, that Christ came and lived amongst us, wasn't that he just walked through the crowd, was that he was in the crowd. He was connected to the crowd. As we conclude this series called The Art of Neighboring, may we take this seriously. That God doesn't just want us to love God, but that we love others as a means of loving God. 
And may we see our ministry starting at home. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much that you're a God who loves us. And God, somehow, in the miraculous nature of this relationship, you invite us to give something back to you. And in doing so, we start to be transformed. We start to understand what you are doing. And so, God, as we think about our faith, as we think about our relationships, God, help us to not just be people who are receiving, who want to be the full little mug, but God, help us to breathe in and then breathe out, that we would take a deep breath of your goodness, of your faithfulness, your love, your forgiveness and grace that you've poured into us. May we receive that well, and then God, may we exhale it in our relationships by being Christ-like to those around us. God, give us an invitation and help us to step into that as we work on the art of neighboring that our neighborhoods might be changed by loving, compassionate, caring Christians who know how to share and how to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.